most important announcements that we can make here today. It's one of the most glorious announcements that we can make here today. I'd like for Misty Duncan and Brooks to stand up, please. Would y'all just stand up here for a minute? Cancer free. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. They have fought a good fight, but they've endured. Amen. Praise the Lord. We've been praying for them. And now that doesn't mean you take your prayers off of them, but it means that we have got a doctor's report that have done all the tests and they have all come back out and no more cancer. Praise the name of the Lord. We've been praying our hearts out for them. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to two different places. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, and Psalms 33, 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, Psalms 33, 12. Let's first of all go to Proverbs 14, 34. The Bible says, if you'll stand again for the reading of the word, please. It's short. Proverbs 14, 34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Psalms 33, verse 12. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Bob Fisher, would you ask the Lord's blessing on the word of God this morning, please? A while ago when we were singing a certain song up there and it was talking about our liberty and about our freedom and whom the Son has set free is free indeed or whatever. And, and, and my wife looked at me and she started quoting the scriptures that go along with that and she says, if you continue in my word. And I thought, yeah, that's how it is. A song, it is wonderful, it is true, but in order to add everything to that, the song would be way too long or it would, you can't get everything into one message. And that's how I feel this morning because what I am preaching on is a passion of mine. And as I begin to study it, I begin to say, uh-oh, I am in trouble because it just kept getting longer and longer and longer and deeper and deeper. And I was going all over it and I thought, I could add this, I could add that, I could do this, I could do that. And I got to thinking, man, we were looking here at maybe six months of a series that I could do on the topic that I'm going to be doing today. And so I began to pray and I said, Lord, you've got to help me because I know I'm a long-winded preacher. I understand that. And one of the, I, I, I do understand that. One of the things that I do is that I do prepare and sometimes I over-prepare, but I would rather be over-prepared than under-prepared. And I know I am guilty sometimes to try to give the congregation too much and they can't digest it all. So I thought, God, you're going to have to help me in this because when it becomes this thing that I'm preaching on is a passion of mine. It's about our country. Here we are, you know, on our, on our uh, holiday weekend or what we're celebrating is the holiday weekend coming up. And, and I got to thinking, God, you're going to have to help me. And the Lord just began to say, okay, this is what I want you to do. So I'm going to stay very close to my notes today. 
and try not to run off on these other passions of mine and try to preach to you everything concerning this and have what I feel like is, uh, uh, would be, oh man, if I could get that out, if I could get that out, if I could get that out. We can't learn it all in one day. But I do want to get one or two principles out or two aspects of what God wants to say to this congregation. This coming Thursday, we're going to be celebrating what we call Independence Day with here, in, here in America. It all began 243 years ago when on the 4th of July, 1776, 56 brave men signed the document known as what we call the Declaration of Independence. And while we all appreciate these men and we hold them in high regard and high esteem, yet most of Americans really don't understand or even have any idea of what price these men paid for the, our independence and for our freedom in America and so that you and I could live in a nation that was built upon the righteousness of God. As a matter of fact, out of these 56 men that signed the declaration, five were captured and tortured by the British before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground and they lost everything everything that they had. Two lost their sons in war. One had two sons captured by him alone. Nine fought and died from wounds and hardships of war. And Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship swept away by sea by the British Navy. And he actually sold his home to pay all of his debts so that he would be able to be a man of integrity. And he died in rags. Thomas McKean, who so hounded, was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move from his family from place to place to place on a constant basis. As a matter of fact, they called him the man on the run. He also served in Congress without pay. Wow, could you like to see that happen today? But yet, no, not our Congress, because our Congress wants to ra vote themselves raises, but yet they want to raise your taxes, and then they want to cut your Social Security benefits. That's the kind of Congress that we have today. Day. And Thomas Nelson, home, he, it was seized by the British at the Battle of Yorktown, and it was used as a command post. And he urged General George Washington to open fire upon his own home to destroy the enemy. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt and in poverty. Folks, it's absolutely necessary and imperative that we revisit and review our nation's birth and history so that we understand the true meaning of our text that righteousness exalts a nation. Listen to the voice of the founding fathers and hear their spiritual commitment of what they say. John Quincy Adams, who became president, said later in 1821 about the Declaration of Independence, this is what he said. From the time of the Declaration of Independence, the American people were bound by the law of God and the laws of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they all acknowledged as the root of their conduct, and we all came together to obey the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. What a statement. I wished I could preach about 45 minutes on what he just said right there. In George Washington's farewell address to the nation, he said this, do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they ever even attempt to remove religion from politics. Patrick Henry said, which is one of my favorite guys, he said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Can you give the Lord praise for that? Oh, hallelujah. Matter of fact, I think I'll just read it again. 
It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you stand and give the Lord praise for that? Oh, I'm about to preach. Hallelujah, Lord. Have your way in this house. I'm about to want to chase them rabbits right there, but I can't. Woo! Maybe I can. But President Thomas Jefferson, in his address to Danbury Baptist, he said this. The First Amendment was created, has created a wall of separation between church and state. But that wall is one directional wall. It keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure that the Christian principles will always be in government. Can I tell you, and now this is one of my P's and I could preach on it, but the separation of church and state was never intended to take the church out of the government, but it was to keep the government out of the affairs of the church. Can I have an amen? Did you know that the, that the order of our government is even pandered, patterned after biblical principles? The framers of our nation got the idea of three branches of government from the word of God. Remember, we have an executive branch, we have a legislative branch, and we have what? A judicial branch. Look at Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22. This is what the word of God says. For the Lord our judge, the Lord our lawgiver, the Lord our king, it is he who will save us. Now, this is God's people putting confidence in God that he would actually save the church from her enemies. And notice the rule of law that is in the kingdom of God. God's government refers to the same aspects of our government because our forefathers actually imitated the law of God or the rule in the reign of God, the government of God. Let's look at the scripture again. For the Lord our judge, you know what that speaks of? It speaks of our judicial branch. For the Lord our lawgiver, that speaks of our, our legislative branch. For the Lord our king speaks of our executive branch. In other words, God's going to protect his church and rule his kingdom by what? By judgment. He's also going to protect it and keep it by law. And he's also going to keep it and protect it by his divine, divine sovereignty and power. Because he has all power in heaven and earth. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And by his own name and by his own power, he shall rule and reign and govern. Can I have an amen? Our government, the way that we are to rule and govern is patterned after the example in God's rule with, and reign in scripture. Our forefathers looked to the word of God for the wisdom needed to organize a government that would uphold righteousness. If you were to go to Europe today, you will find that the churches are still somewhat subsidized by the state, which means they're controlled by the state. And that's why they're stone cold dead and they have allowed the gospel to almost be completely, it could become extinct and they have allowed the Muslim religion to take over many parts of Europe. When the people in many European nations pay their taxes, you know what happens? Part of their tax money is going to keep the churches alive. Some of you are sitting here saying, oh, wow, wouldn't that be nice if our taxes would begin to fund and fuel churches? 
And some of you think, oh man, we could get free money from the government. We could have help around here. But you know what our forefathers said? No, that's a bad idea. Our forefathers said, we will not allow that to happen. You know why? This is what they said. That is wrong. And we do not need to start that, they said, because ever who funds the church will end up running the church. And can I tell you, we seen that firsthand, me and Randy, over in China. When we went there, they had churches all right. But I want to tell you, we were under the underground church, the persecuted church, the church that stood for the principles of Jesus Christ, and we were hidden, and we moved from place to place so that we wouldn't get caught preaching the gospel of the Lord. But I want to tell you, they do have open churches there. But they're state-run, government-run, and you know what the problem of it is? That they tell them what they can and what they cannot preach. And that's what's coming against America right now. But thanks be unto God, I stand here today to declare the wonderful word of God without restraint. I have freedom to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified today. In the good old USA of America, we still have a right to lift our voice and declare Jesus Christ as sovereign Lord and sovereign God who reigns. Oh, give the Lord praise in this house. Hallelujah. So what did these uh, early uh, framers do in order to protect the church? They followed a biblical concept that was totally foreign to any other government in the world. This is what they said, quote, we want to make the church separate from the government and we want to keep the church exempt from taxation of the government. Where did they get that concept? Anybody got any idea? I can tell you where. It's where God reveals himself in the book of Ezra, chapter seven, verse 24. You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute, or duty on any of the priests or the Levites or the singers or the servants or any of the workers at the house of God. In other words, he's saying that those that are in living in the temple, those that are part of the house of God, the house of God itself, cannot and should not be taxed. Can I have an amen in this house? Our forefathers discovered this in the Bible and they said, let's make that a part of our government. You and I should rejoice and magnify the Lord that the early framers of America looked and based our government upon the word of God. We are to be thankful for that. Our forefathers understood and recognized righteousness exalts a nation. Our forefathers understood what righteousness was. Now I'll be starting to preach some messages that the Lord allows me to on the righteousness of God and what righteousness means. But I want to just stop here and just say that righteousness means being right with God. That we as a nation have to turn back to God again. We have to become right with God. They understood that righteousness was the catalyst to give birth to this nation of people looking for freedom and liberty. Why did they think that? Because let me say this. There is no independence. You'll be in slavery. And there is no freedom where there is no righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, the book of 2 Chronicles, or 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, it says, that, and the spirit of the Lord is the same spirit. And then it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's a little bit of a mistranslation there from the original translation over into the King James Version. In the King James Version, there's a mistranslation because it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, let me tell you, that is not true. The spirit of the Lord is omnipresent. Is he not everywhere? Is he not all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present? Of course he is. 
We know that he's everywhere. He's in China. He's in Russia. He's, he's uh, in the bars. He, everywhere you go, he even said, if you make your bed, bed in hell, behold, I am there. God's presence is everywhere. He cannot withdraw himself from any place because he's omnipresent. But let me tell you, there's not liberty everywhere. Amen? But what this scripture actually says is, when the total context of the translation is, where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. And let me tell you, when we no longer keep Jesus Christ as Lord, there will be no liberty and there will be no freedom. America stands for freedom, but America is not the source of freedom. The source of the freedom of America is Jesus Christ. It is he and he alone that can set free. It is he and he alone that can only exalt a nation and bless a nation. Can I have an amen? He is the sovereign reign and rule. They understood without righteousness, nation would never stand because righteousness has to be the catalyst, the thing that goes before in front of a movement into order to secure its longevity and keep its favor with God. How many want the favor of God? Then we gotta become right with God. In Matthew 6 and 33, that's why the writer penned these words. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things shall be added unto you. That's what Jesus himself said. It's in red lettering if you want to go look at it. Jesus made that statement. How many of us really do that as individuals, even as Christians? I think we fall short of that so many times, do we not? How many of us really seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Things happen to us and the first thing that we want to do is create in our mind what needs to be done. And then we try to pray that into effect. And the problem of it is what we're praying into effect may not be the will of God. It may not be what God wants for our lives. The very thing that our children go through, we want to try to bail them out. And if we're not careful, we'll enable them by bailing them out when God's trying to break them. And here we are trying to do something we think is right when all along we've not sought the wisdom of God over that matter. How many of us need to go back just like the framers of America and stop for a minute and everything that we face, seek the righteousness of God first? Can I have an amen? And then all of these other things will be added to you. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and we are if we're saved, and if we're continuing in his word, and we're becoming his disciples, then you don't have anything to sweat because all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are called according to his purpose. So therefore, if I seek the righteousness of God, a lot of the things I fret over, a lot of things that I fear, a lot of the things that trouble me, a lot of the things that concern me, a lot of things that burden me, a lot of things that get me down are nothing more than me not trusting in the fact that if I am the righteousness of God, everything that is needed in my life will follow after me. Can I have an Amen. So what is our goal here today? Our goal is church of God, palace of praise, be righteousness in God. Can I have an amen? Be right with God. Our forefathers understood that just as Christ paid the price of liberty, that they too would have to pay a price. Can I tell you, you too will have to pay a price. They didn't pay the price and it was ended with them. Everybody wants something for free nowadays. But anything worth getting costs you something. Liberty and freedom always demanded a price. And that's what this 4th of July is all about. It's all about remembering the price that was paid for our freedom, for our liberty, for our independence as a nation. Our nation was first settled by people who came to these shores looking to express their, their religious faith. They weren't trying to get away 
from something as much as they were trying to find something. They were looking for the freedom to worship. And you and I have that freedom here today. You and I have the freedom to worship God. We have the freedom to clap our hands. We have a freedom to express our joyous songs. We have the freedom to preach the gospel. We have a, 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 a freedom and a liberty to raise our hands without wrath and doubting and magnify the Lord. And yet we have all of these freedoms that literally cost our forefathers their lives and we sit on our hands and we don't take advantage of it. We come into our churches and we sometimes, most, a lot of times, some of our churches are so stale and cold that we go through the ritual of things that we never come in with a true heart of worship that literally was provided for us by the blood of men and women, especially by the blood of Jesus Christ on a cross. So I asked the palace of praise here this morning. The Lord put this into my heart. Will you take a moment with me? Will you take just a few moments and exercise your right here today to stand and to honor God in worship? Would you worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Would you magnify Jesus Christ? Would you speak his name? Would you declare his holiness? Would you declare his righteousness? Would you declare the sovereignty and the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you declare God as God? Confess with your mouth, lifting up hands and clapping hands, magnifying the Lord together in worship here today. Oh, hallelujah. That's all right. That's our freedom. Now give him praise for the freedom. You may be seated. Oh, Lord, help me. When the pilgrims came and landed on Plymouth Rock on the Mayflower, how many would like to be on the Mayflower? Huh. I like to tell you what all went on that Mayflower, but that ain't a part of my sermon today. Just as they landed, they joined together in what is called the Mayflower Compact in 1620. These are the words of it. In the name of God, amen, so be it, they say. Having undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith, we do solemnly and mutually, mutually in the presence of God, covenant and combine ourselves together. Now, dissect that. I wanted to decide, and that's my problem. I'm wanting to dissect every one of those quotes. And there are hours of preaching in that quote right there. They wrote that they came here for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we unite, palace of praise? Can we bind together? Can we covenant with one another? for the cause of the kingdom of God and not our own cause for heaven's sakes. They coveted to, together, they came in one mind and one accord for the cause to advance the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, our statement of purpose says the palace of praise ex exists to what? Expand the kingdom of God by exalting Jesus Christ and by equipping people with ministry and purpose. Can I tell you here today, that God wants his church one more time to go back like the four framers and begin to unite together for a common go, for a common cause. It ain't to come in here and to get entertained and blessed and fall out and run the odds. Those, those things are important. God will bless when we begin. Those things are nothing more than acts of encouragement and acts of divine favor put upon a people that's doing his will. 
And what we have to do here at Palace of Praise, God's putting it in my heart because we're going after the harvest. We've done told you that. We told you our future plans in September that you and I have got to come together. We got to make a covenant with one another and understand why we are here as a people of God. Why are we here as Christians? We're not here just to be saved and get filled up and go out and feel good about ourselves. We're here to take this world by storm for the cause of the kingdom of God. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? We're here to do that very thing, you and I, as the palace of praise. They wrote that they came here for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in 1643, just about 23 years later, as more and more people begin to come to the shores, up in New England, they formed a confederation called the New England Confederation. The New England Confederation was the first written constitution of groups meeting together in 1643, and they kept notes. The New England Confederation Constitution began with these words. Listen to what they said. Whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. They were literally united together for a common goal to worship God in holiness and to hold to the gospel of purity that would bring peace. They wanted liberty and freedom in the, by, the, by what the gospel would create. America was founded by men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule over all. They were looking for the, his righteousness to exalt a nation above all nations. Just like you and I, they were not all perfect, go back and study them, but they all acknowledged that God was the supreme rule over man and they also acknowledged that he was God over government. The Declaration of Independence that was signed on July the 4th, 1776 says this. We hold these truths, or this is part of it and we'll break it down. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. How many believe that? Is there any difference between the black, the white, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor? Are we not all equal here at the Palace of Praise? If we are equal, say amen. amen. If we're all equal, clap your hand. If we're all equal, say hallelujah. Now hug your neighbor. Amen, we're equal. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I got to looking at that. Notice they didn't say happiness, they said in the pursuit of happiness. You know why? Because these framers were very, very wise. They understood a principle that you and I need to go back and understand. They acknowledge that these rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness only came from God. They did not come from human government. Folks, if you're caught in that trap, quit looking for your government to please you and to patronize you and to provide for you. Amen? Remember this, the one that pays rules. The promise of these politicians make me sick. I can't even watch the debates because of what they're promising. These politicians where they pander after votes by saying, elect me. If you elect me, everything's free. Isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? Don't that sound good to the ear of flesh? Don't that sound good to the ear of, uh, 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 of the natural man? Amen? 
Hey, if you'll let me, I'll give you free school. Kids, you'll never have to pay for college again. Hey, if you'll let me, you'll never have to worry about going to university. Hey, if you'll let me, don't worry about it. We'll cover your insurance. We're going to do away with private health insurance, and we're going to let the government run your insurance, and we're going to give everybody insurance. Come on. Elect me. Oh, and now if you'll elect me, we're also going to give you free child care. And it goes on and on and on and on. You say, well, now, Pastor, what's wrong with that? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Remember, nothing is free. It's going to cost somebody something. And it's going to end up costing you. Because what's going to also, you've got to remember is, everyone who holds, ever who holds the purse string rules. It's called communism. And you know what else it's called? It's called dictatorship. And if you're not careful, you're going to let this country be turned into a third world country where the government rules everything. And let me ask you a question. This just really makes me up. This is my pet peeve. This is where I want to spend a lot of time. But I can't because the Lord won't let me. When did the government ever run, when did the government ever run anything right? Everything in its touch has either went bankrupt or it's become corrupt. Amen? I mean, sis, we do not need the government to rule and run the people, but we need the people to rule and run the government of the United States of America. This is why the next line of the Declaration of Independence says, and to secure or protect these rights, governments are instituted among men, it says. Now, what does that mean? What they are saying is, we want a form of government whose job is to protect and guard what the creator has given to each and every one of us. That's their job. That's all their job is, is to make sure that we hold to the line of the Constitution of the United States of America. It's to be a government by the people and for the people. As you read the Declaration of Independence, you discover what follows the prologue are about 15 to 16 charges against King George of Britain. And as they come to the final charge in their closing, they make two more references of God. I like this. They say, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in General Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intention. They were saying, we are appealing to you, England, declaring our independence. In other words, it's pretty powerful when you look into dissect that it says, we're going to be, un- we're, 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 we're trying to do things right, We're trying to be honorable. We're trying to get along with you. But I want to tell you, whether you give us independence or not, we're going to take it. Amen? And then the next words they say, they were saying, we are also appealing mainly to the supreme judge of the world, God himself. In other words, God has the final authority and the final say over us than you, England. We are under the leadership of the sovereignty power of God himself. That's what they said about this nation. Amen? Then the very last line of the Declaration of Independence is this. And for the support of this declaration, we affirm reliance on the protection of divine providence. <laughs> when they were discussing and dealing with the, with the, how, the, the how the Declaration of Independence should be wrote, there was a lot of disagreement. And yet prior to that, they just said, we're going to have to trust in divine providence. But when they got together, tempers flared. Hey, man, they were human. They disagreed on what this line should say and what that line should say, and they had a lot of problems. Informing, can you imagine putting them in together and everybody got their own personality and the way they were raised and their own personal thinking, and they were having some problems. They were having some conflict. They were having personality clashes and different things of that nature. And there they were, and they wondered, what in the world? And they just stated 
that they put their trust in the sovereignty of providence. Amen? Now, it's easy to say something, but it's a lot harder to live it when it comes down to you. That's where we're at, America. It's easy to come here and proclaim it, but it's hard to flesh it out. It's hard to live it out. And that's the challenge that I'm giving you here today. Because God is saying, I am tired of people saying one thing's with their mouth, but their actions are declaring something totally different. I am tired of them saying they believe one thing, but their belief system soon crumbles under the, under the pressure of opposition. You and I, regardless of the opposition that comes our way, are we going to hold to the belief and the standards that we have declared here that you have clapped over, that you have stood up and applauded over? Are you going to have the guts to stand in the final time of these last days and declare that we are a nation that believes that God is the sovereign rule over us, even over our government, and our freedom only comes from him and him alone? Can I have an amen? So what happened? Benjamin Franklin stood up and he said these words. Gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of the nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. At that suggestion, all 56 brave signers of the Declaration of Independence Every one of them all went to their knees as one man and they began to pray and seek and ask for the wisdom of God. Why? Because they were a people that had the nation in mind. They were a people for the people. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if our Congress would go to their knees in prayer? How many would like to see that happen? Wouldn't it be wonderful today if the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and every other court, including the Supreme Court, would just get on their knees just like our forefathers and say, hey, God, almighty God, what do you want out of this nation? Help us, lead us, give us wisdom, give us direction. What do we do about this? What do we do? Wouldn't that be wonderful? How many thinks that would be wonderful? Raise your hand. Oh, are you serious about it? Well, you know what God told me? It would be wonderful if my people would fall to their knees and pray to me. If my people would. We want the government to do it. We want Congress to do it. We want the courts to do it. But the problem of it is we ourselves are not doing it. And that's why the nation is in trouble. Can I have an amen? We want to push it on everybody else, our religion, but yet we don't want to live that religion out that we declare ourselves. Oh, God help me. All of us call America home, and it's our solemn duty to do the very same thing. In 1963, the Supreme Court first took out prayer from school. That was the year, doggone it, I then got my statement out. That was the year that Bob was born. <laughs> he wished. I think it was, what was it, 1919? <laughs> the year I was born, that was the year they took prayer out of school. The next ruling removed the Bible reading from the classroom. See what started? Take one thing, take it. All of a sudden, here comes another. Just here in recent years, in our lifetime, to where we can identify with, we've seen the Ten Commandments come off the walls of schools and public buildings because of a court that declared it was unconstitutional. They have pulled the manger scenes and Christmas trees out of public buildings because that's unconstitutional. They have ruled that students can't pray at graduations. It ain't stopped some of them, praise be unto the Lord. 
They have tore down crosses in many parts of America all because a judge says that it didn't have a right to stay there because it's a religious symbol opposing its beliefs on other people. And yet just here the other day, thanks be unto God to give you a victory, there was a cross, and I forget exactly all of it, where the Supreme Court ruled that it is not unconstitutional for the veteran cause to stand representing the liberties and the different things of our nation. Thank be unto God for that. But you know, the, our, our courts has ruled that there are certain segments of society that does not have equal rights. It's the unborn. There are millions of abortions every year and the body parts, the bodies of them little children are being sold on the black market. Can you imagine that? The Congress this year where the liberals are, the majority have just passed this unanimously. So help me God to be pulled from the oath to public office. That's just happened right here the other day. It's not passed the Senate yet, but it's passed. Can you imagine where we're headed here? A young woman that wrote a term paper on the life of Jesus because it was an assignment that the teacher signed and the teacher said, I want you to write a term paper on the man that I admire the most. And she wrote it on Jesus Christ. She turned it in and she was given an F because her teacher said it was unacceptable in the public schools. It took the parents by surprise and they were upset and they took them to court. And the court tragically ruled in the favor of the teacher. That it wasn't fitting to write a term paper about Jesus Christ in our public school. They are trying to get where the Pledge of Allegiance is considered unconstitutional because of one line in the, in the words that says one nation under God. They are trying to pull the words in God we trust off of our money. Are you not, can I go on and on? Let me just stop right here because this is as far as I need to go today. I think I've made my case. Church, America needs you. Church, America needs God. We need to return back. Second Chronicles 7, 14, that Sister Louise quoted in her prayer. Thank you for praying there. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. I will forgive their sins. Can I tell you here today that what God has laid upon my heart here today is that God wants to heal the land of America. Amen. As a matter of fact, there are some prophecies going around that are kind of fresh right now that literally declares before the second coming of Jesus Christ that literally that the abortion, uh, the abortion uh, uh, laws will be turned around. I hope that that's true. Amen. You say, oh, we have gone too far. We're on a slippery slope. No, we're not. It's whether or not that the righteousness of God begin to be revealed in his people. That if God's people will rise, it isn't too late. It can become too late, but it's not too late right now. The burden I am placing upon you is that the very price that our forefathers paid in war, their sons being killed, their sons being captured, their homes being burned, losing everything that they had, literally on the run and, and they lived and they almost all of them died as paupers and they were very wealthy men and they gave up all of their wealth to secure what they thought would literally help the nation become exalted in the future and they were not worried about themselves they were worried about the future generations I ask you as the palace of praise today, are you concerned about your children and your great-grandchildren and your great-grandchildren great and what they're going to face if the Lord tarries? But the question that I have, though we may not go to war and fight a flesh and blood where we're facing guns and mallets and, and, and struggle and that kind of thing, we're in a war whether you know it or not. 
And God wants us to enter into a spiritual war and turn the tides around by becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I stop right here to say that if you're not saved here today, you are a reproach to this nation. You are a reproach to your family. You are a reproach to your children. There is curses upon you because of the sin that's upon your life. Oh, you say, Brother Miller, you shouldn't preach like that. It is true. And the problem of it is, is the very thing that you sit here and try to hold dear and want to protect, you can't protect it if you got hidden sin in your life because that sin is enslavement and that sin is a reproach and God has to judge it. Would you stand with me this morning? First of all, I ask you today, if you're unsaved, the first part of healing this nation is getting people converted. It's getting the people to acknowledge their sin. I'm a sinner. I have to be saved in order to find the favor and the righteousness of God. Government cannot save me. I cannot save myself. I need Jesus Christ. He's the supreme Lord. Somebody, we've got to come to an acknowledgement of that. It's simple. Simple basic stuff here today. Unless we're born again, we'll not see the kingdom of God. Unless we are saved, we're lost. Amen? With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask you here this morning, are you lost? Are you not saved? Then I invite you to do what every single one of us has had to do. Come to the acknowledgement, I'm lost. I need help. I am not a Christian. I'm not living out the beliefs that I should live. And I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and I want to accept him as Lord today. If that is you, I want you to make your way up here right now. Start walking. I know you're here because the Lord laid it on my heart. Just say, it's me, Brother Miller. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. We've all had to do it. It's a confession of faith. When you step out, you're saying, I'm not ashamed. I am coming and saying, I need salvation in Jesus Christ today. And by me making that confession and not being ashamed of it, God will set me free. God will save me. He'll lift the curse off of my family. He'll lift the curse off of the land in which I dwell. And I'll make a difference in the kingdom of God. And I'll make a difference in America. Are you him or her here today? Is there any here this morning that's going to obey the voice of God in salvation? The second thing I want to ask you to do, how many of you are willing to pay the price to save America? These men battled, ran, hid, fought, gave up everything they had. We can't even give up a sports game because we're too busy to attend prayer meeting. These are serious times. And unless the church engages in one heart and one of mine and gets serious about it and make it our priority, America will be lost on our watch. And when we stand before God, we'll give an account for our apathy and our lack. Because God has created us and birthed us in a time such as this and you are endowed with certain gifts and talents of God, from God and God expects you in your generation to make a difference and to bring forth the righteousness of God through your life. We are Christians. We're here to advance God's kingdom for and foremost before anything. These men gave it up. Are we willing to give it up? So I ask you this morning, how many are willing to take just a few moments to come and seek the righteousness of God? That's all I'm asking. I ain't saying anything else. How many are willing? Make your move if you're willing. You're willing to fight the good fight of faith? 
Are you willing to say, I want to be one of those men, those brave men and women that's willing to give it up, lay it down, to make Jesus Christ my priority, to make the kingdom of God my priority? We got to pray over this nation, over our president, over our Congress, over our Senate. Burden us, O Holy Spirit. Let the heaviness of your presence be upon this congregation. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we are here to advance your cause. Let every one of us here, Lord, that has come forward begin to be able to feel the weight of what you're ex explaining through the gospel and what you're presenting here to each and every one of us. Our forefathers, we thank you for them. The framers of America who was under so much pressure, who, God, during the midst of war, they were even able to rule and they'd done everything that they could by seeking your face first. Oh, they weren't perfect men, neither are we perfect. But God, we come and we lay our, uh, our imperfections at your feet. And we ask you to forgive us. And just like Benjamin Franklin and just like George Washington and just like those earlier framers, Lord, we want to seek your face and understand that it's only by your sovereign rule and reign that we will exist as a nation. That the only way that my children and my grandchildren will be able to enjoy the freedoms and the liberties without getting caught into communism and socialism and dictatorship is by only if you now intervene because we're at the threshold of that in America right now. Save across this nation, God. Send mighty revival that diverts the, the, the minds that are against you and turn them back towards you that you might have a rule in this nation, God, once again. Let the majority be that of faith and not that of a lack of faith. Save to the uttermost for you ever liveth to make intercessory for us. I ask you, Lord, to sweep across the land. Start right here at the Palace of Praise. Start revival right here at the Palace of Praise. Let, let the whole region of Poplar Bluff and Butler County, Wayne County, Ripley County, Stoddard County, Bollinger County, all of the counties surrounding us, God, help us, God, to have a revival such as we've never seen before that will draw thousands to their knees. And when they rise up, they'll understand the call and the mandate of God. Rise up a new army of believers, God, that will help advance the cause of your kingdom in America. Help save it from, God, the onslaught of evil that is coming against us to try to take away our constitution and try to destroy it to where God is no longer founded and framed upon the word of God for it's only found and framed upon what man has changed and deluded. God, forgive us as a nation. Help us. Forgive us of abortion, killing the innocent blood and shedding it, which is an abomination in your sight. Forgive us of same-sex marriage, which is an abomination. God, turn this thing around. You're able. You're a sovereign God. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we're even able to ask or think. God, as we leave this place on this 4th of July, enjoying our liberty and enjoying our independence and enjoying our freedom, Help us to understand it'll be short-lived if we don't continually pay the price as our forefathers did and keep fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life. Oh, God, I pray and I ask it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the men and women that's committed to the cause here today. Thank you for the men and women that's under the burden to fight in the spirit realm, God. Oh, Lord, as they fought in the natural and even in the spiritual back in those days, help us fight, God. Help us fight. 
Help us fight the cause. Stand up for the cause. Speak the cause. Help us correct the mindsets of those that are, are, are deluded, those that God have not known what this country has been built upon. Help us to inspire them, educate them, inform them, I pray. Help us open our mouths, God, and be anointed of your Holy Spirit to change the framework of the attacks of the enemy, to strengthen the walls of our founding fathers. Help us to stand upon the Declaration of Independence and help us to hold true to the Constitution of the United States of America. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we ask you and we praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Oh, worship him, Lord. To the walls can fall I've come to I've come Hallelujah. to worship. Oh, I'm gonna sing my yes, song. Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. if you will only be obedient, saith the Lord. If you will make me your priority and lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. And you will see your loved ones saved and you'll see your schools again come back to the knowledge of who I am. You'll see the nation and your children rejoicing in the streets instead of sorrow coming. For I am a Lord of a turnaround, saith the Lord. I will give you the heart of, I will give you the heart of my son and my son's heart is the harvest. And as you have that heart and you reach that harvest, I will bring rejoicing back into the house of God. And the calves will have food in the stalls. There will be the young calves leaping and praising me for the green grass and the, she- and the fields that I will give them, saith the Lord. Turn to me and I'll bless you. Turn to me and I'll turn this nation around for I am God. Nothing is impossible to them that believe. Hallelujah, son of in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just worship as long as you like. Those of you that need to go, you're dismissed. But...